Hey y'all, it's Jerome here and there's a story behind how this episode and one of the major themes of Bottomless Coffee came to be. Picture it, election night 2020. I'm with my husband and some Chinese food, putting a real cap on what was, for me, a year of campaigning. And for the world, a moment of bated breath as we waited to see who our next president would be. Now, I'd lost in a primary election, so my name wasn't on the ballot, but some friends and supporters were kind enough to write me in, so there was no pressure for me, but it was the end of a chapter. Then the phone rings. I answer. And the friend on the line wants me to explain to some other people, and I quote, why we believe what we believe. Now there we were, four years of the country agonizing over every minute political detail, just a few months after the murder of George Floyd, and some people still can't articulate what their values are. They understand that knowing what their values are is important because they made that phone call. But why can't they speak for themselves? We're going to explore that a little bit right now with Aaron Minkama. Aaron is someone who used to identify as a person with a conservative ideology, and now he identifies as a proud, billionaire, tears, coffee cup owning progressive. In this episode of Bottomless Coffee, Aaron is going to share his ideological journey with us. We're going to examine what he believed and when, and then we'll explore the things that caused Aaron to either stick with or turn away from the ideology that he held at the time. Now, this podcast is supported by our Patreon community members. The more supported we are, the better the podcast becomes. Please do chip in at patreon.com slash bottomlesscoffee. And, spoiler alert for the puppy lovers out there, there will be a small cameo appearance by Aaron's dog, Prairie Jean. If you hear any snoring, I promise, that's the dog. Okay. Hey, and welcome everyone. I'm Jerome, your extremely caffeinated host for Bottomless Coffee. Uh, In fact, in this very special recording late at night, 7 p.m. episode, I am a little too caffeinated and having some water. Uh, Brendan, our usual co-host, is on a break this week, Uh, so I'm going to take advantage of this time alone to really talk about something that I love and Brittany doesn't love as much as I do, uh, political ideology. Now, if you've uh, listened to a pundit in the last 10 or 15 years or maybe uh, checked out a poll, you've heard that Americans are more divided than ever. Um, But one thing I don't think we really ever talk about is how people uh, traverse political ideologies over time. And I'm interested. Uh, as someone who uh, loves the idea of wooing people from one ideology to another, uh, I'm interested in figuring out what makes people change their minds, um, what informs their values, 
um, what are the messages that we can use to that really resonate with people who aren't in our echo chamber? So I am thrilled to introduce you all to my friend and supporter and former roommate, Aaron Minkema. Hey, Aaron. Hi, how's it going, Jerome? Uh, I'm wonderful. Uh, I think I might describe myself as effervescent. <laughs> oh. Yes, thank That's you. That's a fancy word. Thank you. Well, you know what? Brendan usually gets to hog all the fancy words. And so um, it's my turn. It's my turn. I'm going to see if I can try and uh, throw in at least one or two. Um, they might not be like the most glamorous words. Throughout is a long word. <laughs> so many syllables. <laughs> Whoa. Sign me up for Scrabble. Uh, okay, so before we get into it, uh, I do want to make sure everyone knows that um, your Instagram is the Aaron, and that's T H E E H R E N. That's weird, I know, but you'll get used to it. <laughs> Thank you. There's um, your tagline. I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Simon's not here, so uh, I'm. I, I, you're doing a podcast, uh, and I actually just started a podcast too. Yes. Uh, well, I don't know if you can say just started now. We're almost at like 20 episodes, but... You're um, a veteran. I actually... Yeah, I actually had you on my podcast. Uh, my podcast is called Bop or Flop. Um, I guess it's that's what the title is. Yeah. Um, but we're on Instagram. It's Bop or Flop Podcast. Um, and you came on and we reviewed the Dua Lipa Club Future Nostalgia um, Weird DJ Mix. And... Uh, well, two things. One, I had an amazing time with you, and I really appreciate um, you having me on your podcast. But two, I feel as though you threw a little shade at that album, but I saw your Spotify wrapped story, and that album is way up there on your 2020 most listened to albums list. Okay, well, um, come for me for that, but uh, <laughs> just so we're all clear... Future Nostalgia is a bop of an album. Yes. Club Future Nostalgia DJ mix, that could be left for 2020 <laughs> in the, the dumpster fire that is. Um, did, did so, you, different well, albums. Props to Dua. Dua did a lot in 2020. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. And honestly, I'm super excited about her song that she just did with, with Miley Cyrus, uh, Prisoner. So, so, so good. Have you listened? Um... Well, as I mentioned on episode seven of Bop or Flop, I don't listen to a lot of music. <laughs> <And so>. uh. <laughs> but you know what's funny? I remember my number one bop on that episode was Midnight Sky by Miley Cyrus. And we were like, when is the album going to come out? And now that it's out, I'm like, oh, I should really, should really listen to that. <laughs> you really should. You really should. Um... Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I know uh, political ideologies are a fun topic to go with. I tried to I tried to make sure I was dressed for the occasion with my billionaire tears mugs and my Maggie Rogers wants you to vote T-shirt. Yes. I am here and ready to talk about <laughs> politics, ideology, the whole thing. Um, yeah, let's let's get into it. I have to say, uh, if I had not lived with you. I don't think I would have ever known that you used to identify as a conservative. So I do want to start yeah. there. Um, were you, I want to say you were like president of the Young Republicans or something. Is 
that right? Yeah. Um, well, if we if we want to talk about political ideologies, I think um, that is why it, you're here. It was an inter. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it was an interesting, interesting journey I've been on. I would say. Um, I feel like it kind of. I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I was ever really aware of politics as like a, a thing um, hmm. until like maybe it was, I think Obama's first time running for president in 2008. Okay. Or was it 2012? Was it 2012? 2008. Am I like 2008. You're good. 2008. Yeah. Technology or timelines. This is so weird. I, I remember being in um, in high school and I legitimately was just like, it kind of felt like a popularity contest and it wasn't really about politics. Oh, okay. And so I remember like there was a lot of like kids in class that were <laughs> wearing t-shirts or putting up whatever into saying things that I think that their parents just were spewing out at them at home yeah. or whatever was cool to fit in. And uh, so that was kind of my first exposure with politics, but I, I started to kind of develop uh, an idea of what they were at that age. And then when I went to uh, UMD or University of Minnesota Duluth, my freshman year of college, um, one thing that I did as a tactic, which if anyone listening is uh, going to be a freshman in college or in a new state or whatever else, one of my biggest suggestions to ever uh, make friends and like have a social life is to get involved in every single club you possibly can. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I legitimately signed up like the, the the club fair, the organization fair. I signed up for every single one of them. I was on the Black Student Association. I went yes. to all the different clubs. The first one or two meetings to understand like, was this the right fit for me? Was this not? Where like really where uh, would I be able to find my place? Yeah. And one of the ones that that kind of stood out for me and like legitimately I think put me on a completely different path in life was the political science association um club okay. at the university of minnesota duluth that was uh, apolitical I, it sounds like that was it was it's a it was like a i would say a nonpartisan, not a bipartisan group but okay. it was like a, a just a, a group of people that wanted to go into politics or law or whatever else just a chance for them to um to kind of connect much like sure. there were like journalism clubs etc and I remember going there and people were asking me like, well, where, where do you stand here? And what are your, what are your beliefs? And I remember, uh, them kind of grilling me and I was telling them like, well, at the time I was like, very, I was like kind of closeted. I was very closeted okay, at okay. University of Minnesota <laughs> Duluth. I'm a proud gay now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I knew I was gay back then, then, but, um, I remember them or them asking me all these questions. I was like, I'm kind of pro-gay and I don't really know where I stand on abortion. And like, I, I had, I have a specific memory in my mind of like, there were, there was like these, uh, this program that I was a part of when I was uh, in high school that uh, was like called Homework Club where we went to low-income housing uh, like complexes and helped kids with homework. Okay. But I remember their, their their moms and dads talking about how they like had iPhones and had they how they had like um, Direct TV and it, to me it, it felt like there was some sort of like misconnection of like why do you need Direct TV or why do you get to have like iPhones <laughs> etc cetera, etc. Cetera, okay. Uh, when you're doing low income, shouldn't like shouldn't you be able to spend more on this this or this? Okay. Sure. And so it like my few life experiences had like a dramatic impact on me being like. 
I think that if you if you work hard, you should be able to like have your own um, like you reap the rewards of your own. Oh, I see uh, where this work. is going. And okay. like okay, and the go and the government giving out all these free handouts, et cetera, et cetera. Like those people are lazy, right? Like gotcha. I think the idea is that other people are lazy. We have a surprise guest producer, PJ, <sighs> joining the party. Hello, PJ. <laughs> hey, Prairie Jean. I thought she was going to be joining. Um, but like, so for me, they, they did like a kind of a test and they quizzed me like 20 questions and they were kind of, they, were, they pretty much told me, they were like, you can be uh, so, like socially liberal and still physically conservative. A lot of Republicans, especially at our age, are pretty dang uh, progressive ourselves. Like we're actually pretty liberal. It's just like the, the economic side. So they were actually able to take away the the um the burn of all the kind of the, the not so good parts of oh, the sure. Republican Party in terms of social issues and focus just on the economy and just focused on those like how big should government be and so that's yeah. when I started to get involved in the college Republicans. Um, that is fascinating. For a second there, I wasn't sure if we were going to make it back to the college Republicans or not, but you took us the long way, and I appreciate it because you um you mentioned a lot of things that we can unpack. Right. Yeah. So um, I'm hearing that you weren't really even asked and didn't think about um, having to identify yourself with a political ideology until you were in college. Even though yeah, you grew so up in a conservative household, like a cool Republican voting household. Mom voted Democrat, dad voted Republican. Oh, I grew okay. up, but like they never, they never talked about politics. That was the thing too. Is like they, for all intents and purposes, they were pretty. Uh, they, they they didn't they didn't spend time teaching me one way or the other on that. Yeah, so if um, this BuzzFeed quiz, right, uh, that you took in the the, the nonpartisan group. If someone had been like, oh, these answers align with the Democratic Party, you should join the Democrats, you would have considered joining the Democratic Club. Like, legitimately 100%. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that I, it, was, it was a time for me to, when you get out of high school, you're into college, you're starting to try to find out who you are. Yeah. And I think with that, another identity that like people can carry with them and they, they actually carry with them for like, sometimes in a bad way today, sure. like what is your, are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? And so I think by able, by putting myself into an identity, it actually helped me be able to find commonalities and find ways to connect with people. And so, yeah, like someone told me, oh, you can be a Republican with us and you can be friends. I'm not gonna turn away friends, I think. So that's kind of how it ended up. Uh, it was a weird kind of courting relationship there. <laughs> well, one thing that I really love about that is that, um, you know, a lot of people get tired of hearing about politics and talking about politics, but then a lot of other people never even have the conversation like brought to them, right? Um, and even though this is a nonpartisan podcast, um, I have to say, um, your story really uh, inspires me and will probably inspire organizers out there everywhere to like really have the conversations with people and say, even if they identify as a Republican, just ask, well, why is it 
that you identify that way? Is it that someone in your college, you know, gave you a quiz and told you that the results say Republican or are there values under there? Yeah, and, and, and I, I think uh, at the time, I think that the biggest thing was like at the time, my ideology and my values on the world was was legitimately I didn't I didn't have which we can get into later but like Mm -hmm. I didn't have I thought that every dollar that you make you should be able to spend the way you want to and sure uh it kind of put a little bit of faith in that if like if I do make excess money if I somehow Mm -hmm. do become a billionaire (laughs) I would be able to uh to give back the way I wanted to give back into causes I cared about um, which will come up kind of later in terms of this whole journey. But like, I think the idea of smaller government and that people could help people um, really uh, resonated with me at that age. Well, I mean, you're segueing right into, I guess, the next part of your journey, which was not, you know, become a Republican, um, you know, really get into the group and think, oh, you know what, never mind, I'm going to be a Democrat. There are actually other ideologies out there. And instead of veering to the progressive party per se, whatever it was at this time, um, I guess at some point after college or maybe later on in college, you started to identify as a libertarian. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was kind of what led. So freshman year was in college Republicans. And uh, by the end of it, I was the executive director of the oh College gosh. Republicans in Duluth. Running like, everything. Li- <laughs> running the show. Um, <laughs> and uh, just like any gay boy would, I was like, this pond is too small for this big fish. Yeah. And so I went down to the University of Minnesota Twin Cities campus um, for that reason, but also because I was like, yeah, I haven't told anyone that I'm gay here. And I sure. told myself I would. So fresh start. Let's put the reset button on that one. Um, and when I came down to the U of M Twin Cities campus, I had started to kind of have a better understanding of the, what the Republican party stood for. And that like, although my peers and my friends, a lot of them, I think had some pretty progressive views, especially when it came to things like accepting me individual, um, like as a person, they may not like the leadership and the people that we were helping to get elected, the people that we were going out and door knocking for weren't all that, uh, aligned with my views. I was actually like spending time and my like hard earned money, et cetera, supporting people that like didn't have my rights, uh, even at their interest, which was just kind of a weird mix. And so when I went down to the twin cities campus, um, it was, I think the 20, uh, 12 election, there was this uh, this movement around uh, someone known as Ron Paul. Have you heard okay. of Ron Paul? Okay. Yes. 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 So uh, well, I think people, Ron Paul. Other people listening maybe have not. Can you give a 20, 10, 15 second speech speech on Ron Paul? <laughs> yeah. So Ron Paul's a um, an interesting guy. I would actually, in a lot of ways compare him to Bernie Sanders. He is like the Bernie Sanders of the conservative party or like the Republican party, where although he says like he votes with or he voted with um, the Republicans on a lot of issues, he was very much like 
small, small government. I don't want to be involved in your personal life or your pocketbook. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be involved at all. Oh, okay. Whereas on the Bernie Sanders side, he's very much like government should be involved in everything and everyone should have all this, like, all the rights, the whole thing. But and so conservative, um, socially liberal. Right, but they were both like radicals of their party. And so for me, hearing him say like, I want to be out of your social life. I don't care about gay marriage. I don't care about like, he actually, I think, he, I, don't, I couldn't like speak out of his mouth. I don't want to speak for him. But like his ideology was pretty much along the lines of like, why should government even be defining marriage? Government shouldn't be in our personal lives in that issue. So like he took it a step further to go like, why, why legalize marriage for, for um, queer people when instead you can just make it so marriage isn't something that's important to the government? Um, uh, okay, so I'm, I'm getting a sense that your um, identity as part of the LGBTQ community became more important over time. And you kind of got the sense that the political community that you were in was didn't have your best interest in mind. Your values weren't aligning there. Um, the individuals were still good people, but like the party platform and the elected officials, um, you know, they weren't they weren't standing up for Aaron. <laughs> and so you started looking around, um, and that's probably I'm guessing that's how you found Ron Paul. And uh, the message you were getting there aligned a little bit better. Right, and so. Uh... I worked and volunteered a ton with the Ron Paul campaign. I was able to, I think we ended up stealing all of the Minnesota delegates to Ron Paul for the, um, oh. the 2016 election, which was like, we were like the one state because you know, Minnesota is just really weird. We do weird things. <laughs> we were the one state that like had Ron Paul delegates go to the RNC. Um, and <laughs> nice job. <laughs> but after the campaign was done, it was a question for all of us of like, what, what's next? Like, we all have this movement, we all have this ideology that like we, we were inspired by Ron Paul. And so me, along with a couple of my friends, created this, this group called Young Americans for Liberty that was very much about like the libertarian philosophy. And, oh, okay. This has uh, a, such a suspicious sounding name like now in 2020 looking back. I mean, Young Americans for Liberty, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I... They somehow still, I think, have my email or have my phone oh. number, and they call me like once every couple of years. Okay. And I'm like, guys, I am very much not on your team anymore, but um, happy to happy to ignore this number, block this call. Well, uh, what is it? Um, what like made you step away from the Libertarian Party? Like, it sound it almost sounds like you were only there for the individual, like elected official. And then after he was no longer going to be like the spokesperson of the party, uh, the relationship with the party fizzled or th with the ideology even. I think it was uh, something that you, uh, not that you brought up, but I think that, that it's an interesting conversation about was I think that there's a, one thing that still holds true about my political beliefs from then till now mm -hmm. is that I think this two party system just yeah. doesn't work it sucks um <laughs> it really sucks like i don't think that people should have to choose between two things when there's so many different like it's a wide scale a yeah. lot of people actually compare it to like a diamond where it's like the social issues and the fiscal issues and like how those all play can kind of form who you are yeah and so 
I think the whole purpose of this Young Americans for Liberty was how do we infiltrate in Minnesota, like locally, uh, like in the state and, and potentially even nationally, how do we find ways to be able to have the Republican party be more liberty minded, one, and then number two, how do we help lift up the libertarian candidates or the libertarian kind of ideologies within all of these different government um, forms? And that's kind of where, um, what the whole purpose of this mission was, was just to kind of help with that. And uh, by the end of that, I ended up being the chair of the Young Americans for Liberty <laughs> surprise, by the end of the whole surprise. time. Surprise, <laughs> um, And that's kind of what, what got me through uh, college. And it wasn't until after college that things started to change in terms of what I prioritized and my view on the world changed quite a bit. Okay. Um, I'm going to say we take a break um, because I am deeply interested in everything that's going on, but uh, I want to process your life story, the life, your, the life of your political ide- ideology for a minute, uh, and then we'll be right back. Perfect. Yeah. Can't wait. One thing you might notice is that Aaron's ideological focus shifts with his personal values, which makes sense. When he was younger and, by his own admission, mostly concerned with his own well-being, he aligned with an ideology and didn't concern itself with other people. Which means that if you were trying to change young Aaron's mind, you wouldn't get far with arguments about helping other people. But as we'll hear in a few minutes, a person's values do change over time. Which means that an argument that wouldn't work with 18-year-old Aaron might work with 28-year-old Aaron. This is part of why communicating our values with people who don't necessarily share our values can be tough. You don't know what a person's values are unless you ask them. And it is entirely possible that when you ask them that question, they won't know the answer. So when you are entering into conversations with the goal of swaying someone's political ideology, the only thing that you can really know at the very beginning are your own values and how your values connect with someone just like an 18-year-old Aaron, a 28-year-old Aaron, or some version of Aaron whose values are still in development. You've got to be rock solid with who you are and what you believe, or your discourse with people who don't share your values will, unfortunately, be ineffective. Love. Are you feeling good? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I honestly like, yep. You're like, keep it going. All right. <laughs> um, okay, we are back. I don't know why I don't just call those breaks like coffee breaks, like the show with bottomless coffee. That would make a lot of sense. Um, we're back with Aaron. Uh, we're not drinking coffee. I'm drinking water. Prairie Jean is in Aaron's lap in case uh, we needed a Prairie Jean check. <laughs> Um, and then for our, the dog lovers, what is Prairie's Instagram? Um, it's prairie.jean, um, prairie like Little House on the Prairie, dot jean, like mom jeans. <laughs> uh, 
She is sassy. She gives me attitude. She gives other people attitude. And if you listen to our podcast, you're going to be hearing her um, pretty regularly barking or whatever, because we just, we don't have time to edit our podcast. I'm sure that uh, that you're going to spend a little maybe more time on this. I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> we, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I would say yeah. you're doing so well and you're telling your story so well that uh, maybe we'll just distribute it as, as is. Um, Who knows? So I think where uh, I interrupted you is you had just mentioned that things had started to change um, after college. So yeah, what what happened? Was it menopause? Was it just men? You know what? <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, I think after college, it's it's weird. Uh, after college, um, it took me a while to get to find a job, like to get like what is quote unquote a real job, which I think is just a false term and you should not really like, Oh sure. everyone's job is real and everyone's working hard and we're all trying to be happy. So like, but at the time, like there's like the corporate job you get after you graduate that you're using your degree for. It yeah, took me like six months to get expectations put on you at some point. Yeah, exactly. And, um, once during that time it was, I was starting to go, oh my gosh, I don't have a backup plan if I fail here. One, like, I, mm -hmm. am I gonna be able to survive? And then additionally, I think um, I started to become, my, my circle of friends started to be also people that were either in school or they were a little bit, a bit more liberal, like gay and liberal. Um, and so my circle kind of expanded and changed a little bit after college. But once I got my first job, shout out to Best Buy, um, which don't really need to give them a shout out, but um, cool. I buy a lot of stuff from there for this podcast, so it's great. <laughs> right, uh, it was my first. It was my first uh, kind of experience where I was making like good money, right? Like yeah. first salaried position. Didn't really have a care in the world. There was not anything that I wanted, right? And so then when you take that idea, where I'm like. I'm making enough money that I can pay for my rent, I can pay for my food, I can pay for my car, I can pay for everything. I'm fine. Yeah. You take that, you take that and seeing all of my friends that were working just as hard as me to try and land this job after college, looking at my friends that like I knew from classes that were still working as like just cashiers at like sure. the grocery store, et cetera, et cetera. It really made me feel like Hey, what like I mean I am very special and I'm really cute and handsome and just the best. So handsome. Yes. But like I hear that a lot. Other people are trying too, right? Like uh, that that became very crystal clear and apparent to me. Um You started and, thinking about other people is what it sounds like the change was. <laughs> really, yeah. And I think what uh I ended up also kind of thinking about is if if you remember like earlier when we were talking about um Republican PSA uh, class that I was, or um, club I was participating in. Yeah. They were talking about, like, I was like, yeah, if I want to, like, I want to be able to choose where I spend my money and how I help people. If I, if I make enough, I want to be able to donate to the right organizations, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. As a grown adult that's working a 40 hour a week job and going to the bars three nights a week at that age, 
I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have any time to be researching, okay, I'm going to donate 30 bucks over here right. and 20 bucks <laughs> over here and maybe a hundred dollars over here. Like I didn't, that girl, that's a lot of work. It that is. is a lot of work and it's inefficient <laughs> and it doesn't make very sense. inefficient. Um, and so I ended up kind of just like having this like kind of brain blast epiphany moment where I was like, yeah, I would rather like, even if my dollar only uh, turns into 80 cents in terms of the amount it's being used to help people through the government. Yeah. That's 80 cents more than I would be giving if I didn't give it to the government or like if, if I wasn't able to do my contribution and Honestly, if they taxed me, like, I would rather them tax me, like, 3% more or whatever that amount is mm -hmm. so that other people can have food on the table or other people, like, that are struggling, that are really trying to, to, to find happiness, success, joy, fulfillment, uh, they can do the same. And so then uh, the 2016 elections were uh, just around the bend at that point, and that's when... The, the, there was like that kind of that big difference there of you have Hillary Clinton on one side and you have Bernie Sanders on the other. Yeah. And for me, I think it was a really, like, even at that moment, I was still not ready yet to call myself a progressive. I was still, or like kind of the, I was more of the moderate Democrat. Um, number one, I wanted a, a woman president. And number two, I will go down to my, my dying grave that like Hillary Clinton would have been one of the best presidents. She was so prepared for the job, but like, and then Bernie Sanders is just this wackadoo guy, which I supported a couple of years before, but like, I didn't need to do that wackadoo again. I was a little <laughs> bit more mature and a little bit more calm. Um, and so I ended up kind of identifying as a moderate, moderate Democrat, but like, as soon as Trump got elected, it was like a shift in me of, oh. he is going to tear apart all the people that I care about. He is going to tear apart like, all of the support that has been built up over the past eight years with Obama, I need to, like, if, if we're going to make lasting change that's really going to help the people that are most in need, we're going to need to swing the pendulum just as hard the other way. And that's kind of where, over the past one, two years, I've really started to see myself uh, identify more on the, the progressive, uh, like, I would even go as far as to say, like, radical liberal in some ways. One really fascinating aspect about um, your whole story, considering um, tr how Trump plays into it, is that it's like, uh, once again, it's those uh, elected leaders that really kind of, um, I don't want to say trigger in a negative sense, but uh, if they provoke a reaction in you one way or another, right? They kind of ask, invite you to question your values and then you kind of realign, right? Uh, and that... Uh, kind of happened, it sounds like, with Hillary, but with Trump, you were like, you know, there are red flags, there are alarm bells, <laughs> there were, there was some sick, there was a clear uh, swing to the left, right? Like, immediately. Um, and I, I find that really interesting, because it's almost like you went into, like, a need, a desire to protect yourself and others, like it was almost like you were being attacked in some way or you're like your community or your values or something. And that kind of helped you define what, what it is that you really care about in that particular moment, which I find really interesting. Yeah, it was, I think one of the things too, as I, th I, I look back at my, 
my trajectory of uh, ideologies is I, I think I see myself and I go, when I was like, I grew up in a very privileged household, like never had a want, never had a need, like I've very been to privileged. Your pool. I agree with that. Sure. Yeah, my parents have a pool, they have a pizza kitchen. They're, a pool like, in Minnesota, it's a very, it's a sign. That's a sign I've learned. <laughs> we, we, were, we were well off. And uh, when I graduated uh, high school, high school wasn't eat super easy for me. And so I had this idea that like, whatever I do going forward, I wanna do it for me. And if I do it for me, I should benefit from it. And so it, it was a very kind of selfish view of the world of sure. like me first, like I need to protect me and preserve me before I help others. And I think what I've slowly learned as I've kind of met new people had different life experiences and uh, just matured a lot more is I've really been able to think about that I shouldn't just be caring about me. And it's not like, mm -hmm. it's important to care about your neighbors. It's important to not just even care about your neighbors. It's important to care about people that live on the other side of the world. Um, Cause we're all humans and we're all like, we are all trying we really to are. find happiness. <laughs> we really are. We are all we like, I don't, I don't think there are very many people or anyone at all that is saying, yes, I want to live on the poverty line or yes, I don't want to have a good education. Like no one is opting into, um, a life of like a, a, a life of struggle. Yeah. No one wants that. We all want to be able to, to get by and have a happy life. And so knowing that I want that, I know that other people want that. I talk to people about that and every, like life's a game of chance where you could be the, the, the smartest person in the room, but like, guess what? Mr. Uh, Eric Bojack over here, uh, his dad owns uh, the Chevy dealership and he's going to take that over. Yeah. And he's going to end up being super well off, even though he didn't do Jack's shot, like shit for that, which I don't know if this is a swearing podcast. So like bleep me out. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I, I think that's kind of the big thing that's really changed in me is I went from being very selfish to being like, I, I as a human that wants to love other humans, that wants other people to be happy and successful, hmm. if that's the root of who I am as a person and what I want for the world, I have to find people that, uh, that also believe in that. And that's where like, it truly does feel like the progressive side of the, even the Democratic Party really does want that and does want this like if ev if everybody wins we all win so like let's help everyone out um it just it's it, it's interesting it's i think i agree brendan it is interesting to talk about political ideology <laughs> he's gonna i mean I, he's gonna hate that <laughs> so jerome i like i know that you you ran for office and i think that one thing that we we know about here in the twin cities is that we are i mean the the twin cities overall is primarily like it's very segregated and it's also like yeah. white like it's very white yeah but even with us being like white i think the one thing that's like weird about the culture of minnesota is we do really embody that care about each other especially within like the, oh, the 94 absolutely. Ring of, yes 
and it's it's the like the Minnesota nice even though there's the Minnesota passive aggressive like we genuinely do we were raised to care about our neighbors we were raised to care yeah. about Joe Schmo we were raised to care about everyone and uh I would say that like it's interesting to me to see that in Minnesota we are probably super super progressive but then you go to other states and other areas and the flavor of democratic kool-aid is a lot different um yes um, so one thing I, I would want to talk should, about um at some point maybe we'll come back and we'll continue that particular conversation because you know i did uh, i came from atlanta georgia where yeah. um you know republican a republican in georgia is not the same thing as a republican in minnesota um, and a Democrat in Georgia is not the same thing as a Democrat, as a DFLer, even in Minnesota. Um, you know, I had values that I uh, translated into policy for my campaign, and I, I don't think I was the most progressive person in my race. And I was surprised. <laughs> there were moments when I was like, "Oh, y'all are y'all are way left." <laughs> but yeah, um, and I yeah yeah, because going back. Uh, the, that thought, um, there is something really special about Minnesota that I've noticed just as someone who moved here from somewhere else regarding the way that we carry we care about each other. Um, if I ride a bike down the street without a helmet, my neighbors will yell at me and tell me to put a helmet on. Um, because, and not because it's like illegal or anything, but because it's dangerous and they don't want anything bad to happen and it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know if it's legal or not, it might be. I don't either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe there'll be like a little fun little like factoid underneath this part. It is illegal it, or it something. <laughs> Producer PJ might come back with that fact. This is your second or third editing suggestion. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, who is, who is the drag race, um, the drag queen that like was her own producer and edit, like she edited the whole, oh, I'm her no whole idea. season. Uh, Alexis Michelle. I think Alexis Michelle is like everyone jokes around that she is like the producer of her season because she's like, okay, no, you go here, cut, and that's <laughs> okay. kind of what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. So sorry about that. Never apologize. You're amazing, and I mean, you're absolutely right. You kind of made me like fall in love with my my neighbors again because you know this being 2020, I haven't seen them and hung out with them in so long. Um, because again, we all care about each other. And so we are wearing our mask and we're keeping distant mm -hmm. and we're not congregating in the way that we used to. And, um, going back to political ideology a little bit in those conversations that people have with each other, where you really get to hammer out your values and you really get to have those, um, those deep, meaningful conversations, right. About who you are and what you believe in. It will be interesting to look over the next couple of years and see the impact that 2020 had in terms of us not being able to talk to each other about, you know, one one political ideology is really trying to save us from this plague and one is not. <laughs> but, but we're not allowed yeah. to talk to each other in groups about it. So that will be interesting. I... I... I think it'll be, it's very interesting. And I think it kind of even speaks, um, have you seen uh, The Social Dilemma yet on Netflix? I have not because I'm such a social media person and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> it, 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 I think you should watch it. It's okay. truly eye-opening. And it's, even though like I've always been on social media with my Trader Joe's reviews, 
my nine or hundred people in the room and 99 of them don't believe in you all the different shticks and and stories that i have on instagram at at the aaron uh t-h-e-e-h-r-e-n you will get to see him reenact that 99 people in the room skit and give those trader joe's reviews (laughs) right uh what i will say though is by watching that documentary it really highlights how um when we use algorithms and when we use all of these different formulas to to get Uh, people to stay on to our sites longer or continue to engage with us etc etc it has a very harmful effect when it's kind of combined with politics because Hmm. you either have people that are they either want to suggest things that are super radical that will make you furious and type that like eight paragraphs in the comments or whatever. So you stay on the site longer, you continue to engage or it's showing you things that'll make you click like, and you'll have that small serotonin rush. And so social media, the, the documentary social dilemma is talking about how like it is the, it is the leading cause as to what is creating this division in our country. It's so interesting. And I think it, it, what I was thinking about even just today was that the idea of wearing a mask, the idea of COVID and the idea of like, this shouldn't be a political issue. Right. I agree. But somehow it is like, I think it's, it, it, it just baffling to me that um, we're currently in a, in a climate, a political climate where everything and anything is going to be politicized and going to be somehow shoved into one party or shoved into another, which I just feel like the more we, we get into that habit, the more division we're going to have, Yeah. which I'm not saying it's impossible to get out of division, but as, as people get further and further divided, it becomes harder and harder to bury yourself out of one side or the other. Oh, I'm like, oh no, because the reason we were having this conversation is so I could gather those uh, stimuli that put you from one side to the other. And so, <laughs> so now I right. really have and to watch so this documentary. <laughs> what, I, what I would say is, so like if, if I had advice for anyone listening in terms of um, both how you can help uh, change and educate your neighbors, your friends, etc. It's been it's been a really uh, really kind of tough conversation on my side, uh, or tough conversation. Just I think anyone in this type of situation, it's tough to be able to kind of gauge that because there's a lot of emotion attached and a lot of it's uncomfortable to talk about politics. But what I would say, and one thing that I feel like I I, I hold true is um, one thing that uh, I I, tr- I try to do is I try to get my friends to experience and listen to and have encounters with people whose lives are different than themselves. Yeah. I think when we stay in our bubble of yeah. like, like the gay community is bad at this too, where if you, all of your friends are cisgender white guys, you probably have an issue and you're probably on a private island wearing masks. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> that is a reference to but, Jerome's episode of the podcast. But they were, uh, over they, were, weekend. they were tested multiple times. <laughs> tested multiple times um like if you if you put yourself in a box and you only associate yourself with people that look look like you talk like you act like you live near you you're not going to have a good view of the world and you're not going to have those experiences to be able to pull from both in terms of how you can have your own ideation and ideologies but as well as when you're talking to others about like 
why is it important that abortion is accessible to women? Yep. If you don't have very many women friends or have women that have had experiences um, with, with having to make that decision or grappling with that decision, it's gonna be a lot harder for you to talk to your friends or your neighbors about those types of things. And so what I would highly encourage of anyone that's listening is look around probably the, the 10 people you associate yourself with most and go, are my group of people, the people that I talk to the most, are they diverse? And if not, who can I be reaching out to? Who can I be asking for advice on things? And who can I be like bringing into my life to help me have uh, a better view of the world? Um, I think when we do that and when we exercise that, that um, ability to be able to empathize with other people's experiences, that's what's truly going to help people be able to see oh, they do have a reason for why they believe what they believe. And maybe I actually, I need to believe that too because they're currently not being brought along for the ride. Let me bring them along. Um, I did not know that you came here to preach today, but you did and I really appreciate that. And um, one thing I was just thinking about is in addition to um, really looking around and looking externally and seeing what you're doing. Also maybe look internally and really come to grips with exactly what your personal values are. And then look around and make sure that you are living in alignment with your values. And I think that's a disconnect that a lot of people miss. Um, because, yeah, and I think a big, a big example that I frequently come back to is environmentalism. Um, a lot of people will say that they are environmentalists uh, without really thinking about it and, um, and without really look, thinking about their actions. And I'm always like, you are, you are drinking out of a plastic bottle. Are you sure you're an environmentalist? You, uh, as a candidate running for office, drank out of that plastic bottle, left it on the ground in the churchyard, <laughs> and like, left it behind. Are you sure environmentalism should be part of your platform? So just do yourself a favor, do the world a favor, double check, right? Because, uh, you know, a lot of the time, I, I just had a birthday, for instance. And anytime I have like- Congratulations, a, happy birthday. Thank you. I did it. I did it again. Um, a lot of the times the way I spend my birthday, because it's close to Thanksgiving, is in reflection. And I'm like, okay, you're this many years old. Uh, you know, where are you in your life? Are you where you want to be? Are you the person that you want to be? Um, who do you want to be like five years from now? And what do you have to do to be that person? Um, you know, uh, it wasn't, there wasn't a hard conversation for me to have with myself this year. I was like, I'm doing all right. <laughs> But five years ago, it was a totally different, um, it was a different vibe, I would say. And so I would encourage people to have those conversations with themselves and maybe bring your, bring your best friend with you and be like, hey, uh, oh, do, and this is what I think I believe, is that how I act, right? Like, is that, would you say that's true about me? Have those like vulnerable moments uh, if you're able to. That's my right. I, one last, not one last thing. I don't know how long you want to go with this, but like one thing I also just kind of want to, I want to plug is that as we kind of talked about and spent a lot of time going through is mm. I went from 2010 to I would say 26, 
2018 maybe and that was how long it took for my political like my yeah. like ideology and my thought process to change and continue to evolve into where i i feel like i'm pretty firm on now of like this is where i think i'm probably going to be settled in for the, heard some for the long winter in there i don't know <laughs> um when you're having these conversations with each other when you're having conversations with someone that is so far removed from from everything you stand for even just like being like moving them an inch closer to uh mm -hmm. to your side of the aisle or the way that you're kind of your view of the world over time an inch plus an inch yeah. plus an inch those things can turn into like meaningful change and you can see those types of things with like Atlanta hasn't gone blue in I don't know how many uh, Atlanta years has been for blue. Atlanta has been blue. Georgia. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Georgia, Atlanta has always pretty much been blue. I would say, right? Like every metropolitan city is right, blue. Right, right, right. <laughs> but like Georgia, for the first time in like a very long time, yes, went blue, and that's because of inches by inches of inches of conversations. And yeah. I also want to bring it back to in 2010 here in Minnesota we had a the vote no campaign for marriage equality and it was the very first time uh they, they, there there had been amendments that had got had gone through <coughs> uh all of these different uh states to make marriage between a man and a woman in the constitution yeah. or to to ban gay marriage and they tried to turn it into like a very like right or wrong issue and what Minnesota did, which I think is like what we need to be doing and how we can really make change hmm. is by talking to each other, sharing your stories, sharing my story of being a queer person. Uh, if, if I don't, if I'm, if, if you're not queer, share the story of someone that you care about whose yeah. life this would affect. And by doing that, we were actually able to turn or turn, uh, not a turnover, vote no against this marriage amendment that would have had some serious implications on what the marriage, like what de the definition of marriage was in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so with that, I think it's, it's, it's very important to also go experiences and human connection is one of the most powerful tools that you can use to be able yeah. to get people that maybe aren't listening to logic on your side because they'll listen with emotion. And I think, um, something, I think we've given at least two pieces of advice for what people should do. Um, I would say what you should, one thing you should not do is like go to social media and try to change someone's mind <laughs> because that, well, it won't work. And um, I think people get so defensive immediately when they're on, when they feel attacked in that kind of a public forum that you might end up sending people a couple of inches in the wrong way. Um, and that's just not helpful. Creating that further division. Yeah. Yes. And what? just one thing that's super interesting. I'm sorry we're going into so many things. One other thing that's super interesting that I uh, wanted to mention too is just like I was in high school where I just didn't even get politics, hmm. there's a good chunk of people that just don't get politics. Yeah. So like approach situations with, hey, would you be willing to like have a conversation with me about why I care about this issue or why I... I'm voting this way, or what can I do yeah. to help you become educated in your decisions? I think that even those types of things, I I can speak for myself and say that I think I got at least five people that like either weren't planning on voting or like didn't know who to vote for. I was able to get them yeah. to like 
vote with me and vote for my interests and vote for like who I think their interests are too. Um, and that that's almost a callback to 2016 with Hillary Clinton when um, people didn't seem uh, as excited, right, at the time. Certainly not as excited as Trump supporters were. But maybe if in the future when a candidate is put up for office that people are not very excited about, one tactic is to be like, hey, uh, you might not care so much about this candidate, but you care about me. And, you know, mm-hmm. you got to go to the polls for me the way I go to the polls for you. Exactly. The, the way I yell at you at the street to wear your helmet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly like that. Go to the polls. Go to the I polls. I care about you. I love that. Um, well, I, I, feel, I feel like love is a wonderful place to end a podcast episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this fantastic conversation, Aaron. Of, of course. I, I love talking politics and I even like, I even try and love talking politics with people that are different from me because yeah. it just is, it's an interesting strategy game and it's so fun and so kind of just, um, it, what, it's what defines us and it's so important to us, but it's also just like something that, uh, has so many different angles and so many different perspectives. So I really do appreciate being on here and I appreciate being able to be on here for this subject in particular. And um, goodbye to Prairie Jean as well. She is sleeping. Oh, oh poor little she's girl. Adorable. <laughs> oh, no, she's about to bark. That's all right. That's all right. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. See ya. Yay! One thing that will help you in just about anything, and I'm comfortable saying that no matter what you're doing, this will be helpful. It is great to have cultivated a network of people with different life experiences. I will never have the experience of growing up in suburban Minnesota. Aaron will never have the experience of growing up in Atlanta. But when we share our experiences with one another, we expand each other's worldview. That is a huge part of what the Bottomless Coffee community is about. It may be that the only thing we have in common is that we think that the world can be a better place. But from that one shared value, we will forge connections and we will grow to accomplish great things. Join our community now at patreon.com slash bottomless coffee. Let's expand our worldview, exchange our values, and start doing the work we need to do in order to leave this world better than how it was when we found it.